0: Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to another episode of AMP, the actionable marketing podcast from AMA Omaha. We are joined today again by our friend Angie Kubicek from Firespring. How are you, Angie? Good. How are you? Good. How are things going over there at Firespring? Oh,
0: good. It's that 2020, getting ready for next year, kind of planning time for all of our clients. So just in the throes of it at the moment
1: planning time, but also probably getting some things wrapped up for the year. What are the the big projects that you guys are trying trying to clear off the decks at the end of the year? Oh,
0: man. Uh, Budget planning is the big one right now. We're in the process of just helping people kind of understand how to strategize for 2020. I think it's going to be kind of a difficult year financially, just as the talks of the recession are getting planned. So Mm -hmm. helping people wrap up. Our nonprofit clients are all doing their annual appeals, trying to plan for that. Just all the things. And then with our um, own internal projects, we have the Do More Good movement that we're still really getting behind right now. Tell so, me what that's about. That sounds uh, cool. The Do More Good movement is the brainchild of Graham Pansing Brooks, who's a dear friend of our CEO and founder, uh, Jay Wilkinson. And it's about helping companies to find their purpose and to stand for something more than profit. And so we had our first conference in May of, last, of this year. So now we're starting to think about what does 2020 look like? Um, Fire Spring, we're doing our own end-of-year campaign where instead of doing holiday gifts where everyone gets the popcorn and the chocolate candy, which we all love, um, we did a big throwback um, in honor of our CEO, Jay. Um, a handful of years ago when his mom passed away, he gave the employees at Fire Spring 20 bucks to go spend a moment with someone they care about or to do something good for the day. I love that. And so um, through that, he has um, continued this path of, like, be kind, love one another. It's not weird to say you love your colleagues. Like, we are a family. We spend more time with them than we do our own families. So far end of year um, appeal, we gave all of our employees 10 bucks, and we're asking them just to do something kind. So they could do it to help out a charity. They could buy someone coffee, take someone to lunch. We're starting to aggregate these stories and we're going to continue to kind of like unwind this campaign as we, it's not really a campaign, but it's just kind of continuation of our philosophy and our ethos as a company, but just reminding our employees to put it into action, even when we're all heads down and super busy taking that moment to pull everyone out to Just be a human and be nice.
1: I think that's beautiful because those stories are going to sustain you guys through the rest of the year until this time comes around again next year. So really good thinking. Very nice. So yeah, 2020 is big on your brain these days. I know 2020 is big on my brain and I'm sure that any (sighs) marketers out there who are doing their planning for next year, whether it's for clients or for their own department in house, we are all thinking about the next year budget and the next year projects. So. Just from your perspective, as a chief marketing officer, you work with so many clients. You have insights into so many different ways of doing business. What do marketers really need to be thinking about for 2020? What are some of the things that are going to pop onto their radar that maybe haven't been there? What are some of the things that they need to watch out for?
0: Yeah, so I'll start with the what to watch out for because um, I hope no CFOs are listening. And if you are, we're going to have a great 2020. We're not going to have any financial hardships. And now you can flip to something else for two minutes. Um, But there's probably going to be a recession this next year. They were forecasting it to have already hit. Um, They're delaying it now to the end of Q1, sometime in Q2. Um, And so we need to plan for that and we need to be really intentional with how we're going to plan our budgets and we need to plan for our budgets to get cut. So I'm going to say do the thing that you think will get cut first if you can. So um, with where we're going with very intentional marketing efforts, branding needs to be in your forefront. How are you building those stories and connections and those micro moments and that is a thing that gets considered fluff more than anything else, which is um, a misnomer in my mind. Yeah, but it's a lie, but think of it from very your CFO's perspective. important. And so I would say plan to get that work done in early 2020. So that way, then when you're executing against strategies and you have a really started messaging strategy set up, you know your branding, you've made sure you're differentiated between your competitors, um your campaigns will work then to help you through that rough time we're going to hit versus if you're like going to sit on your hands or, oh, let's do this and then we'll do it, you're going to miss your boat. So I would say if you have a a budget to where you can get your story right early now to early Q1, um, you're going to be set up for more success than those who are going to wait and hopefully budgets don't get cut, but inevitably it does. Um, You're going to be poised with a little bit more success, I think.
1: I think that's a very realistic approach. I think we all go into a new year thinking we have this lump of money and this is what (laughs) we have to work with. You know, we don't always think that that can change at any time. I've been client
0: side. I totally get how it is where you end the year with your budget and your forecast and you're like, oh my gosh, I have this amazing budget to like invest in the brand and do all the cool marketing things I've been dreaming about. And then like three hot minutes, like three minutes later, you're like, oh, okay. So now we're back to reality and I have seven pennies to rub together and (laughs) What am I going to do to connect with people? And so, um, if you've invested in that brand, it'll also be easier for you to leverage the organic channels to connect with your audiences. So, um, LinkedIn—I think I maybe touched on it last time—and is a huge spot to build connections. Their organic reach is the most powerful out of all the social channels right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Gary Vee's been touting TikTok, which I think for our markets, not probably the most applicable at this point in time, but something to watch as we roll through 2020. But when we think about leveraging our budgets, um, if you're not investing in your stories and those connection moments, and you're just, you know, you're going to do this really expensive, you know, magazine ad, you're going to miss a lot of other uh, more fluid conversations that you could have had digitally. So think about how those frequency touch points can compound when you blend your organic with your paid approaches for next year will be huge.
1: That's a good good thing to think about. It's interesting that you bring up LinkedIn having the best organic reach. I I I think we all know why it is. In particular, video on LinkedIn is still going going up right now. Holy crap! Which I mean, and it's like, hi, get on top of that. It's it's the best free it's the best free exposure you'll ever get, and it won't be like that forever. (laughs) Um, But what are you recommending for clients to do? You know, if clients are really particularly not necessarily an action-oriented or a conversion-oriented message that they're Mm -hmm. doing on social media. If it really is a brand play, what are you guys recommending for
0: them these days? Uh, Think about what's. if you are not interested in what you're telling people, the people you're telling aren't going to be interested. So I think about if you're in an industry or in a space where it's not a complete, I'm going to click and convert into something. Like, What are they going to be interested in? And then investing in those relationships and those tangibles and then using the content that you're building to pull people in to either remember you or connect in with you, but go beyond just the, the expected and actually invest in it. Um, data is so available at our fingertips. I don't care if you're a small business or if you're an enti- a large enterprise, you have that insight Put something unique together that people will remember, and that's going to be a thing that no one else can touch when you go to replicate that. Right now, we have a lot of regurgitated content Mm -hmm. happening, um, which kind of makes me die a little inside because it makes me tune out. And so um, you don't want your audience to tune out, make them tune in. And so if you actually have unique content that you've invested in, that's going to be your differentiator. In the midst of the LinkedIn, where everyone's going to be going there for organic reach, or um, think about all the phone numbers that you have. Um, I, I mentioning Gary V again, but he just actually invested in a new texting platform, and oh, so yeah. um, I've been kind of watching that. But he has a point. Like we all have phone numbers and relationships, but if I keep getting things from people that isn't relevant to me, I'm going to stop responding. Mm-hmm. So think about those that branding and what you're putting out there as what will they stop responding to.
1: It's an interesting point, and especially, I mean, we talk about this idea of regurgitated content, where yes. five years ago, the goal really was to create as much content as we could, and mm-hmm. repurposing was the name of the game, right. um, simply for scalability. Yeah. Where are where are marketers now in creation of content? What are, <laughs> what are some things that you see bubbling up in 2020 where um, different techniques to allow them to produce the right kind of unique and relevant content without simply recycling the same old stuff.
0: It's creating that one piece of like long form content and think about how many mediums can it apply into. So if I'm going to invest in doing a survey because I have thousands of nonprofit clients, like I have all of their data at my fingertips without exposing them in any way. And I could create a a webinar about it. Okay. So I've created my webinar with statistics and insights. And from that, I can splice out individual social media pieces of content. I can write a blog off of it. I could do a podcast off of it. I could do a um, in-person speaking gig off of Mm -hmm. it. We could do video like that. All of a sudden creates about 15 to 20 extensions of content off of one long form investment. And so instead of just curating, think about how you can Invest in one thing to create 30 things.
1: I always think of it as old country buffet of content. Like start with a buffet and then use that to make lots and lots of meals and plenty of snacks too.
0: Well, and then it's also going to give you the consistency so many lack because when we just curate content, we lack that consistency throughout our messaging. And so if you're running off of one long form thing that is supporting whatever you're trying to get people to buy into, whether a service or Um, A product or whatever it is, now you're just reinforcing that message over and over and Mm -hmm. over again and pulling them back to the same reinforcing talking points. And so that also makes it a lot easier to scale to something.
1: Yeah. Why do you think, um, even from a process perspective and from a content quality perspective, why do marketers need to start paying attention to micro content?
0: Oh man, micro content is all about the era of personalization. We have this data at our fingertips, people are expecting it. So when we think about micro moments and that connection with that one-to-one human, um, building out your content into those little digestible moments of time are also then connecting to that person's convenience factor. So mm-hmm. um, we're all creatures of convenience. Um, I, How much do you pay for your groceries so you don't have to get out of your car, especially if you're in Omaha today, it's cold as hell. So um, <laughs> we all are starting to pay for things because it makes our lives easier. So we also need to make it easier for people to digest the content and having those micro moments with them. It's going to be key. Good. Thanks. So what else in 2020,
1: what do people yeah. really need to keep their eyes out for?
0: You know, it's it's not something I think will be crazy actionable in 2020. I think it's more of a 2021, but start understanding what data you do have at your fingertips. Mm. And then um, the big Internet of Things. It started to be a conversation a couple of years ago. It's more, at this point still, I think a very techno- techn- technological like integration of how are all systems speaking to each other. And for us as marketers, I think we need to start thinking about what systems do we have within our company and how are those systems firing on our users' data and then mm-hmm. how can we leverage that data to improve the way we're connecting with them so um i think a really great example is is if you have a car and your car light goes on because um something in your i don't know i don't know anything about cars but like the oil (laughs) light comes on so okay there was a system that connected that well with the internet of things and where our cars are at in today's society it's pinging back to the manufacturer so then the manufacturer could actually send me a text message being like oh it's time to get your oil changed or you need this fixed here's your coupon well, within that example, now they've personalized, given me an offer, tailored it to the experience I'm having, but that they can also use it to improve their product. And so then there's this like weird level of listening that's happening at a very passive level for consumers. And so that's a very like enterprise solution. I don't think a ton of people are like, oh yeah, let me go just work on my car company with that. But as you think about scaling to automations and personalizations, mm-hmm. and if you're a small business in Omaha, think about what services are you providing and what technologies are your consumers using and how can you tap into that? So if you know your consumers are wearing wearables, if you're they're using in-home devices like a, a Alexa or the Google Home, those are all connecting into the Internet of Things. And so we need to be watching and just listening as marketers on how we're going to get access to those connections because consumers are starting to just passively expect it to happen and so even though we're not enterprise or not everyone in omaha is enterprise there's still that expectation from consumers big or small that you're going to be able to roll with where they're going in their lives
1: you're absolutely right and whether or not you're a small business medium-sized business or large-scale enterprise the um the expectation of the consumer does not change no um and we're getting more access to you know iot marketing channels i mean (sighs) Anybody can set up their own Alexa flash briefing. Any brand can do it. If it's you know, if you're an allergist's office, (laughs) you can go ahead and set up a um, an Alexa flash briefing where it tells you the pollen count every morning. Why not? Anybody can do it. Yeah, Um, and. Consumers are using voice so much more than they were, um, and that's you know only one part of the Internet of Things, and that's
0: yeah. really the your thing refrigerators, that refrigerators, mm-hmm. like all the new fancy refrigerators that you can like touch buttons on, and or if you autofill something or you do your pods, those are all Internet of Things. You just don't necessarily technically know it because unless you're a really ingrained digital marketer, you don't think about those things, telling all these paths of connections.
1: So true. And it's so funny because I remember people would get so infuriated five years ago about the level of listening that they were perceiving. And now it's like, well, I don't care as long as, you know, you tell me when I need cat food, then I'm down. <laughs> I think um, about the,
0: the Giver. Remember the book, The Giver? I yes. had to read as a kid. And I just remember as a kid being like, who? how did they even get these talking devices in these people's homes? Like, who would allow this to happen where messages can just yell at people now and everyone stops and listens? And then as my phone goes off because there's like a tornado warning or because my Alexa home goes off because there was, you know, an Amber Alert. Those are, like, very good uses of that technology. Yes. But then the other day I watched the movie with my daughter and I was like, holy crap. We allowed, this is a habit, like, hopefully not to that degree ever, like the black and white thing and all the stuff. But I was like, shit, they were on top of it. Like, this is a thing. Yes. So very, very prescient of them. It was, I know, I kind of think about how brilliant they were at that time when they wrote the book way before the technology existed. But yeah. It's Um, fun to peek back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's a thing. And so you do have to know where you're giving your data. But at this point in time, we have to then accept the convenience choices. Like there's always an intentional consequence. So absolutely. And as the marketer, we have to make sure we're not too voyeuristic into the lives, but use that data with integrity. And that's our biggest responsibility as we move forward. And with a permission-based society, it's going to become very important that we log every interaction so we know when we got permission when we lost permission mm-hmm. and maintain those levels cuz there will be the ambulance chasers yes of lawyers waiting for companies to mess up fascinating yeah. let's take a step
1: back from kind of looking at the future and yeah. you know some of the 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 higher tech things we can do and talk about If I am a small business here in Mm -hmm. Omaha or if I'm a nonprofit and my budget is tight, um, I'm not going to be worrying about Internet of Things this year. Um, There are a lot of things that I probably won't be getting into. What are the core things that I should really be focusing on in 2020?
0: Uh, Focus on your storytelling. It goes back to that branding and the storytelling and the connections, especially nonprofits. Again, if people are in a recession next year, they're going to tighten up those purse strings. So how are you going to make your mission something that people really want to lean into? And Mm -hmm. if I'm going to have to only give to two or three next year, what are those two or three moments that actually are like, how do you make sure you're one of those that people are going to connect in with? And I think um, the biggest thing we always tout with our clients at Firespring is that appreciation like strategy is going to be your biggest ROI driver for you. Um, I don't want it to seem like it's fake or not um, genuine, but people don't get the same level of gratitude today that they once did. And so it kind of goes back to even our campaign about just being nice. Right. Like the fact that there are like now there's state farms doing a be nice campaign or give back, like everyone's doing the feel good stuff right now. But having that one-to-one, like, I appreciate you. Thank you for supporting us. This mattered. This makes a difference, like showing that and then using your runway between events or asks to show someone, Hey, because of you, we were able to do this is Mm -hmm. going to absolutely help you stand out in this next year. And then if you have your storytelling, right, you know, your key messages are going to be You'll be consistent, and you will make sure that you're connecting in. But then make sure you look at your data. What are your opt-out rates? What are your open rates? What are your um, what are the responses you're getting? And if you're seeing those numbers start to decline, instead of spending more dollars on a message that's declining, like reinvent it, like get fresh, and invest your time in making sure that you're listening and responding. That's the biggest thing people can do in this next year. That's really good advice. Um, now let's talk a little bit about what you guys have
1: going on. One of the things that's great about Firespring is that you always have good webinars, lunch and learns, oh, things yeah. like that to really continue the you know, professional development of mm-hmm. Nebraska marketers, which... I appreciate. It. I'm all about <laughs> professional development. So, anything particular? Oh um, and it doesn't have to be anything coming up super soon. But I know that you have the
0: the big conference will be coming up in May. No, we actually um, pushed it back to October oh, this good. next year. So we have like, gave ourselves a little bit more runway um, with the Do More Good movement. But um, we are going to have a couple of like one day events, but probably in other markets to pull them in. Um, but we're constantly doing webinars, so we have. If you go to firespring.com/webinars, we have a social media 101, 102, how to reinvent yourself as a thought leader, how to um, blog, building landing pages. Again, when we talk about things that are going to be important, like does your website set you up for success, and do mm-hmm. you have dedicated landing pages that you're sending people to? Are they? Do they have the navigation stripped out? Do they have basic functionality? Um, so we have webinars about how to do that, how to do SEO. So um, a lot of it is investing in yourselves so you can do the thing. But um, today I just gave a webinar and the six tools I use to manage my time so I'm more efficient. Like basic. Oh, I need that webinars like that. LastPass has like saved my life. I love LastPass. Oh my gosh, that's like my favorite. We're not being paid to do a commercial for LastPass. No, but, but I oh would my totally. gosh, any of those, any of the password recovery or like. Encrypted thing, so that way I don't have to try to remember it is the greatest thing. And then um, using I use RocketBook, so it's a notebook that you write in with mm-hmm. a friction pen. You can scan it, syncs up to my Evernote, so now all my notes are in one spot. And then instead of having a collection of notebooks that I never look back on, I can actually find them after I take them, and it's great. And so just That's little kind things of a like that. A life changer. It was, yeah. Um, it's it's great. They're reusable. You can use them like five or six times, and it's their great notebooks. Thank great Christmas. A good holiday gift for good somebody that is gift. a note taker. But yeah, so we have a slew of things like that that we're kind of in the process of investing in. I'm working on a couple of white papers specifically for nonprofits right now. Um, again, we have thousands at our fingertips. So just trying to see what challenges they're having and how can we mine that information so we can help like a, a category improve so Mm -hmm. give them some insights that others are having very good and then the wga the whole ada compliance and getting websites accessible is a huge initiative of ours right now just understanding that what are the baseline minimums how do you maintain the integrity of it those Mm -hmm. are a lot of our current core projects to make sure that we're empowering people to do what's
1: right. And that's particularly a challenge for smaller and mid-sized businesses oh, who don't huge. have a dedicated resource for things like no. ADA and um and some of the new legislation around yeah. um around not just accessibility but um cookie collection and yeah things like that. So GDPR
0: it's, it's those are like the things that if I were a small business I would that would some or non-profit those would be the things that would keep me up at night. Just yeah. in am I compliant is someone going to be able to sue me? I mean, I all of those things we're seeing more and more come out. And so we're just trying to make sure we're proactively empowering with knowledge so people can fight the cause. It's funny because we've kind of vacillated between
1: this increasing complexity of the work that we do (laughs) Uh. and the, the real call to really perfect the basics, perfect your story, (laughs) make sure that your website is compelling. You can't just put it up there and be done with it. Um, It has to be dynamic and frequently updated um, for technical reasons as well as human reasons. Um, So it's kind of walking this balance between doing doing the stuff that we know we need to do the right way and continuing to kind of stretch ourselves into what's next. Um, So I feel like for me, I feel like that's going to be the theme for 2020. Oh at least gosh, at yes. least for where I work it is. It's like um, you know, always reaching, always looking forward, always trying to see what's next, but also um flawless execution on what it is that yeah. we're doing now.
0: I always go back to like restaurant analogies because mm. I really like to eat food and is good. because I come from a restaurant background, but if you ever go to like the the Michelin star restaurants they don't have these robust menus. They do like four things yeah. extremely, extremely well. It's what gets them notoriety. It gets makes them famous. And they don't really expand past that. Every now and then they'll flip out a menu item. They'll do something new for a season. But they stick to their core. And marketing, as much as we've evolved and done these added these extra complexities, I would say I always tell people, pull it back, strip back your menu, go back to your core if you feel like you're wafering. So And this next year when budgets get tight, reset expectations is always the thing that gets missed is we pull back, but we never reset that expectation. And so um, that's the analogy I go to for all things is like, let's, instead of doing five social channels, let's do one really, really well Mm -hmm. and own your name and like post just to post. So that way, like no one else can try and take your, you know, handle, but do a couple things really well. will give you the, root, the dividends that you need outside of like spreading yourself too thin. And that's as much as there's all these new, like super cool, hot, trendy topics. And I'm sure a CEO or someone's like, oh, we have to do this thing. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And then just don't do it. Very true, and a really good way to bring it back around. So yeah.
1: I would like to thank Angie Kubicek, uh CMO of Firespring, for joining us Thanks today on me. AMP, of course. And I'd like to thank our friends at Parkville Media for hooking us up with some yes. super-duper webca- webcast product, or podcast production. See, I don't even know my channels anymore. It's getting so complex. It's a cast. It's whatever. Indeed. <laughs> um, that's all for AMP today. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have an awesome, freezing day.
0: A Parkville Media production.